Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome Herbert Schlosser. Thank you, Shelley. It is great to be here in this magnificent new theater, and it is magnificent, as is the redone Museum of the Moving Image. Shelley was the museum's founding director. She came to Astoria in 1961, and under her leadership, the museum has grown from being an idea, her idea, to the position it is in today as one of the world's great institutions which celebrate motion pictures, television, and digital media. This is Shelley's last month as director. Uh, she'll be retiring at the end of the month, and I want to express my deep gratitude for her brilliant leadership. <clears throat> Bill Cosby needs no introduction. <laughs> but he's getting one. And I'll make it as brief as I can so we can bring him out. But it is worth noting some of the milestones in his amazing career. In 1963, he received national exposure on NBC on The Tonight Show. Uh, Carson was the host of it then. This led to his debut comedy record album called Bill Cosby is a Very Funny Fellow, right? Uh, and uh, as Shelley indicated, my career at NBC spanned both the business and programming areas uh, when opportunities began to open up for black performers. And I negotiated the deal for I Spy. This was a breakthrough breakthrough for Bill, for NBC, and for the entire television industry. And I then became head of the West Coast Program Department for six years, where I got to know Bill better. And uh, after that series, I Spy, we put on another Bill Cosby series uh, called The Bill Cosby Show, where he played a gym teacher, uh, Chet Kincaid, the first role in which he played someone who teaches young people. He became one of the most popular and admired entertainers in America. But then came the Cosby Show, which went on, and I think it was 1984 on NBC. He played Cliff Huxtable, a physician. All I can say is I believe this was one of the most important series in the history of television. And for the first time, Bill was at the head of a family, a black family. Uh, and the series emphasized family life and love and relationships. And it was an example, not just to black families, but to families of any color. And I think it had a profound effect on this country, and we'll treat on that uh, in a moment. Well... After that, 
he created another series in which he did not perform called A Different World, uh, which carried forward the idea of African Americans entering American life, being educated in a normal fashion. But I'm honored to bring him on, and I'd like to do that right now because he has been a tremendous success, not only on the television screen, but behind it. When I think of the great stars of NBC over the years, there was Milton Berle at the beginning, and he sold millions of television sets. But in the modern era, I think of three great stars, Bob Hope, Johnny Carson, and our star tonight. So come out here, Bill. cookie is this? <laughs> well, we have your water up here, your favorite opposite water. opposite of an Oreo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how good it tastes. So. Um, you can still do TV. I don't know how many people saw the David Letterman show last month, um, but um, you came on and did a routine which was about six or seven minutes, and the entire routine was uh, you telling a story about going to the bathroom backstage, walking, walking down the hallway and holding on to the rail, which was shorter than the hallway. And I did a brilliant bit. You don't remember You're that. nervous, aren't you? No, no, well, no, no, no. Liar, you're <laughs> nervous. <laughs> Not at all. The routine had to do with going down the steps. I was going to the bathroom. Yeah. And the railing, it was in the, the Ed Sullivan Theater, which is old. And... The, the railing ended, but there's two more steps. And for me, the end of the railing means next step, floor. <laughs> and I fell. And that, no, I didn't, I, I, I didn't. But I just went on and did the routine about it because old people, when they fall, uh, we don't bounce. <laughs> we sort of flap. Like, you know, a fish. When you fish, you pull the fish up and it's in the bottom of the boat doing... That's what old people look like. (laughs) And you're very, very arrogant. You don't want anybody to help you up or touch you or hand you back your teeth or your hair. (laughs) So, anyway, it was a a wonderful, wonderful routine. I'd like everyone to understand the significance of one herb... Schlosser. I, as I told Mr. Schwartz, want you all to understand that whatever happened that we are talking about is not to be considered a done deal. Many people take things, well, you did this, then you did that, yes, I did, then you went over, then this happened, and then now look at you. No. <laughs> In those days, Martin Luther King, 
Did you get your history on that? I think so. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Do- Dr. King, this is before I spot. <laughs> Dr. King. I don't know where you Okay, you tell me where you're going with this. No, well, <laughs> I gave you a big pitch. Yeah. Dr. King. Okay. Civil rights. Right. Uh, the South. Well, 60, yeah. 63 was. Before 63. Okay. okay. In the 50s, it said, there's all of this, and, and the New York Times as well as any, what do, and there were no black people then. They were, they were, <laughs> they were, they were colored. They were yeah. colored. They were Negroes. And, uh, and, and then you people, they were called. You right. people. What, what do you people want? And so when, when Nat King Cole went on in 1957, mm-hmm. was it? 57. 57. Nat King Cole went on. It just, you know, there's one of them on TV. Right. So the sponsors all ran. There's a history there. You can Wikipedia and do that. But the threat from people saying, I will not put this on. I will not put a sponsor on because of this this miscolored Negro. And um, there were certain things we were all right. Uh, Johnny Carson, we were all right. Uh, so maybe Ed Sullivan or something. We you could were, perform. You could do comedy. Yes, yeah. and sing. Right. Nothing wrong with this. But when it came to a series of something, no. Right. You, it's not happening. So here's NBC. Here's this Jewish fella uh, by the name of Schlosser who's in charge. It's only three of them. And they're competing tight. Sheldon Leonard comes to Herb Schlosser and says, well, there's two Jews to each other, so I, <laughs> I don't know how difficult it is. You know, just, <laughs> so and Sheldon's a producer. He's already done, what were the shows? Well, the, did, uh, Dick Van Dyke. He have a mic, Herb? <laughs> he did. <laughs> I'm an old TV guy. you got to yeah. learn to hold the mic. Yes. He did the Dick Van Dyke show. He did Danny Thomas. He did about three or four. He, Mayberry with Andy Griffith. He did do that. Griffith. He did Andy Griffith. Yeah. He had a... a, a so Sheldon was wealthy. <clears throat> yeah. And everything was in black and white. All the shows were in black and white. They, they were right. all in black and white. Right, right. So then he came to you. I'll tell this part. So he, <laughs> he comes to Herb Schlosser. This is the story I got from Sheldon, and he concurred. So Sheldon says, I want to put a TV series on, and uh, you'll give me the money for it. And uh, what we're going to do is about two guys. And um, he says, but we got a problem. The, the, the two guys go all over the world. We, we film that, then we bring it back, then we shoot stuff in the studio, and he's a spy. The guy's a tennis player, and his coach is is uh, is a spy also. So Schlosser said to him, "Well, that sounds great. So what's the problem?" <laughs> so Sheldon said, "Well, the the guy who was the trainer for the tennis player is a Negro." So Herb said, "So what's the problem?" See, that's the beauty. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, he could have sat here across from some guy who's saying what I think many of us in Hollywood of color have heard is, well, can't we get a white guy to play? It's, it's much easier and more palatable. Yeah. The public can digest it. Even Negroes can digest it. <laughs> they won't mean anything to them. They haven't lost anything. That kind of thing. So, so when it happened, Schlosser said, okay. Sheldon Leonard called me and said, we're going to go. Hmm. I was less than... Two years out of Temple University. Mm-hmm. Going to be a school teacher. But I had scored big on uh, the Tonight Show in New York with Johnny Carson. And, and Jack Sheldon Jack. never asked me if I could act. Ne- right. He'd only seen you do the, the Tonight right. Show? Yeah. He said, would you? I said, yes. No, he didn't ask me if I could act. He said, would you? I said, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm from the projects, man. You know, from the projects, the guys from the projects to see me on TV. Shucks, man. I don't, I don't care if they cancel it next week. I can get, uh, I can have a, 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 a suite in the Richard Allen projects for the rest of my life, man. Just being, so that's God, man, from Richard Allen. He was on I Spy, man, for about a minute. You did win an Emmy your first season. You got an Emmy for... Why are we going that fast? <laughs> okay. Well, we can come back. I just want to point out that... See, yeah. you went just like that. Done okay. deal. You have okay. no idea. So let's go. I, I okay. won an Emmy, but Mr. Schwartz, let me tell you something. You came to the reading, didn't you? Put the mic up to your face. Yes. You came to the reading, yes. the first reading for the show. Yes. You sat there. And I want to, because I'm going to say it if you don't. And Bob read, right? Herb? Robert Culp read. And then I read. And Bob read. And then we went through the script. And then you guys went down the hallway to have a meeting about how god-awful I was. That I don't remember. You're our guest star tonight. I don't remember that we thought you were awful. Right. It, I was, uh, even I knew I was bad. And I'd never been to acting school. I knew I was thinking to join up. They went back down the hallway, and everybody from that point had a meeting about whether they should call another actor, and, and they were going to get another uh, colored one. Hmm. I think Rayford Johnson was in the wings waiting. <laughs> And Bob said, I can work with him. Sheldon said, he, he's going to be all right. And you said, well, what's the problem? <laughs> then we, we go all the way to Hong Kong. I've never been past Baltimore. <laughs> no, I'm lying. Bainbridge. I've never been past Bainbridge. Well... We're doing things, and they had a thing in the script where I'm on the ground. This is I Spy, and, and we're in Hong Kong, and, and I'm on the 
somebody knocked me out or something. And the little Chinese boy comes up, looks at me, and he takes his hand, and he does like that to see if this will come off. I, I don't know why they do this only with my people. But the people are always trying to rub this off, you know. And so, And then the next thing that happened in the first year was a stuntman. There was a thing where Scotty's car rolls over one and a half times. And I said to everybody, my days of stunt work, I'm not jumping a half foot off the ground anymore. I was, you know, stuntman. And I look, and they got a, there's a white guy. I'm watching this. He's got my clothes on. And they are putting, huh? Black. It's black all over his face. Now, I'm going to tell you something very odd. When God made this color, God also did the color here. <laughs> Your lids with my color are pink. You see, this guy had pink lids, and, and they couldn't color them, and they did, you know, this part right here, and, it's, and then he didn't look right around the lips. Not that they were small, but they just didn't look right. And I'm looking, and then they pulled out this wig <laughs> and put, put this thing on. And my hair was only about a, another half inch longer in those days. And they got this big <laughs> thing, and then they cut it down. And this guy drove, and they, you know, said action, and he's driving, and he's keeping himself hidden the way stuntmen do, and he whips the thing, and it goes wham, and winds up like that, and he said cut, print. I went over to Sheldon. I said, how much did he get for that? <laughs> and Sheldon said, those uh, rounds. $750. I said, I know five guys in the projects <laughs> who will do this four times for $750. And the next time there was a stunt, shows up Calvin Brown, who, was the, who then has been my stuntman for all 45, 46 years. Wow. Yeah. One last comment. Into the Shall mic, though. What Sheldon thought of you I was speaking to Stanley Robertson, whom you know, who... By the way, Stan Robertson, this uh, Jewish man, did another thing. Stan Robertson, uh, at the time, was also colored, or Negro. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he could be you people, too. <laughs> and uh, you hired Stanley, and he became the first... Black vice president. Of... Yeah. But Why is it you don't want the people to hear this? <laughs> but I just to finish on Sheldon Leonard and Bill's story about whether he was going to make it. Stan Robertson and I were in a meeting that Stan recalled to me, and the show had not yet gone on the air, but they had shot it. 
And Sheldon was talking to us, and, you know, Robert Culp was fine for the role. He was the tennis player. And Sheldon said, the money's on Cosby. And he spoke the way uh, Bill has just imitated him. You know, he's very cryptic, and he's, Cosby's going to do it. So they thought about you as uh, someone who was going to really make it on television. I have no, no doubt of that. Had he, Robert Culp, just made an eye movement when I was in the very <clears throat> first three shows. Had he just gone, <laughs> I would have been finished. The man could have taken whatever low self-esteem and made it go to the point where I would have just been happy to leave. He never did that. The only thing Bob ever said to me about acting was this. He looked at me and he said, we will never say, let's get out of here. <laughs> but this man, this man was as wonderful as anyone could be. And we, we laughed. There were times when poor Sheldon, that's how we had to say his name, because Bob and I would get tickled about something, and then our wives had trouble with us, because whenever we would go out, we would just look at each other and just start laughing and talking, and our wives didn't know what we were saying. It just they were happy to go out, but then they weren't happy to be with us. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy was absolutely an amazing, amazing person, and that's all he ever told me. We'll never say, "Let's get out of here." Well, we have. Uh, we're going to look at one scene from I Spy, and it, uh, so much of the, the success of the show was the chemistry that you and him had on screen. Um, so I, I want to show a scene which uh, where actually you do a little bit of stunts. You do a little bit. It's a fight scene in a hotel room. I don't know if you remember it, but um, yes, I remember. okay. So let's. Um, <laughs> it's forty forty six years 46 ago. Forty six years ago, I remember every punch. <laughs> okay. So, um, but anyhow, we'll show the first clip. This is from I Spy. This is from the first season in nineteen sixty five. What part is this? Well, you are really simple. Dumbest, but you're being tagged hey. and you don't even know it. I gave her the sweet, clear chance to dunk me. She could have done it in a second, and she picked neither one of them. What do you think of that? Maybe she's pitching you for a double agent. All right, wonderful. I will pitch her right back. We could be one big, happy family if you would just learn to shut up. You're going down to that room and have dinner with her alone. Oh, gracious me. I thought it would, yes, unless you'd like to bring several witnesses. I'll bet you $100 hey. that that room is burned. Hey. But hey. You, well, you are really dumb. Hello. 
This is Mr. Scott. Uh, Mr. Robinson and I will be uh, playing some sound effects records. Well, like a fight, you know, noise, glasses breaking and things like that. Yes. Well, uh, please pay uh, no mind. Thank you. choices, man. I can let you go and take the rap for being irresponsible, or I can make you stay here and play it safe. Come on, now. Get out of the door, Jack. No. Get out of the way. I said no, man. Hey, come on, now. Scotty! Come on, get out of here. I said no. Didn't I? Here, I don't want you messing me up, man. I'm going through that door. Because I've got a date with a beautiful girl. By the way, uh, those of you who admired the show, we did things... We paid tribute to Laurel and Hardy. If you, any of you see the show again, you will see, you will hear Bob call me Stanley and, and Ollie. We paid tribute to, especially, uh, Humphrey Beargarden, Humphrey Bogart, yeah. Yeah. Treasure of Sierra Madre. Right. We would say things like Fred C. Dobbs. <laughs> and we also cursed just using letters. <laughs> there is a scene where you're both tied up in straitjackets, and he says, that's another fine mess you got us into. That's, that's Laurel. He loved that. He loved saying that because he loved Laurel and Hardy. We loved Fred C. Dobbs. They're, they're, what are you doing, her? <laughs> You don't have medication, do you? <laughs> anyway, the, 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 the fun was that we were inside. Yeah. Also, I had no thoughts whatsoever um, that, that, that would lean towards anything except having fun with this guy as my friend. And there's a scene in a helicopter... And uh, I, I, I said to the I had my gun, 
and the guy's flying the helicopter, and Bob's in trouble. And I said, uh, you take this thing down. Yes, we can. Take it down. I said, take it down. He says, why do you want to go down? And I said, and I was just all the way back to the days of radio and stuff like that. You know, and Heroes, I said, because he's my friend. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Now, one thing I want to ask about the show is he, this this scene that we just saw, um, he's uh, trying to go out on a date with a woman that you know he shouldn't trust. He did, he uh, dated a lot of women in the show, the, the character. I read it, you, you fought to have your character have more romantic uh, plot It wasn't lines. a fight. What? It wasn't a fight. Okay. All I did, to, I said to Sheldon, I'd like to have a girlfriend. <laughs> and Sheldon said, uh, this is 1960. Well, this was 65, 66. It went on the air in 65. And we're having trouble, the South and the North and the East (laughs) and the West. Every place except Canada. Right. Young Street. We're in good shape. And Sheldon said, the reason why we don't want you to really fool around with women too much is because of the stigma on the colored guys. I said, which one is that? <laughs> he said, you know, there's sex and they're always jumping. And I said, that's weird. I hadn't noticed that about myself. I, I said, Somebody should follow me. I think I... Could. So they gave me Leslie Uggams. Mm-hmm. They gave me Eartha Kitt. Right. Oh, buddy. <laughs> and uh, But she is the one who had you guys tied up in straitjackets in that episode. Yeah, she wasn't nice to me. No. <laughs> but what a wonderful woman. Yeah. What a wonderful woman. And we had uh, Cecily Tyson, but she wasn't in love with me. She was in love with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm now, the sorry. show is on for three seasons. Um, I, I just want to know what you, how you felt things had advanced after the show, because shortly after the show went off the air, Diane Carroll had a, a show, which was an important breakthrough, which was Julia, which NBC also put on the air. What about it? Well, just how you felt about um, had the change that had been made because of I Spy, the fact that you, this was the first dramatic once, series. Well, to but start, but yeah. once again, I'm, I don't own NBC. And the show is over. I go back to Johnny Carson. I go back to selling out dates at colleges and my work on the weekends at nightclubs. Herb Schlosser is the guy who says, we want uh, Bill Cosby specials and to put Diane Carroll in her own TV series with a son. A single parent with a son. So this is this is Herb who's who's putting these things on. And one day, maybe, when Herb sits in this seat, Herb will tell you something that a lot of white people don't do, and that is call names on who said no you won't. 
Because, once again, when I told you over the phone, the, the access, the, the, the Stan Robertsons don't get to be vice president of NBC without her being called someplace and people saying, do you know what you're doing? And Herb says, so what's the problem? <laughs> do, do you understand? I do. Well, tell us. Yeah, yeah. What, now, wait, wait. So Diane Carroll comes on, but that's Herb's call. The writers, the style, the producers, all of that, that's up to the people doing it. So there are people who can, cannot be behind Herb's call who represent the network. And all kinds of things go out. And everybody hears anything that anybody says, no matter what color. There, there were uh, uh, people who, who looked at Diane Carroll and said, where did she get those wigs? Hmm. She said, well, everybody else has wigs. But, but the, you know, it just gets to be anybody listening, anybody talking. But there's this man, Schlosser. I work. He gave me a contract for specials. He gave me a contract to do the Chet Kincaid show. <laughs> I'm a teacher, school teacher, and I got into trouble because they wanted me to do this with a laugh track. And I said, I, I want the people to look at it and laugh when they want to. I, I, you know, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and somebody, people at NBC said, no, we want a laugh track. And, and some people couldn't wait. But I still had good ratings. Mm -hmm. And this Chet Kincaid fellow, we had all kinds of, of wonderful guest stars doing... Um, you know, characters, and I really enjoyed that very, very much, but that was Herb's call once again. In a time when civil rights unrest, now let me tell you, because of Herb and because of his giving me the opportunity, when we went on the Warner Brothers lot, I brought with me about nine of my guys from Philadelphia. I didn't pick up the tab on them. I found out that on the Warner Brothers lot, there was a union, and there's no black people in the union. But they said black people can get into the union. Negroes can. Well, how can they? Well, first of all, whatever department you want them in, you put that Negro or colored person or one of you people on the, on the line, and then you will pay, mm -hmm. full pay, to the person who is learning, and you will pay the fellow, the white fellow who's already in the union. Right. So for that, many people backed off, except Camille Cosby. And Bill, who said, let it roll. 
roll the dice. And so for two seasons, we put about 48 people, black people, in the union. There was one lady. I'm going to make up her name. She's black. Her name is Hazel. And Hazel does hair. She has no union card. And I put Hazel behind a white woman who has a card. Well, Hazel's always worked with these people, but she's never had a card. Mm. Hazel's going to get a card. Mm. Hazel puts in 16 weeks. And then Hazel is going to take the exam. And I'm like this. <laughs> and Hazel is smiling. She's happy. And at the, I said to Hazel, did you take the test? Hazel said, uh, yeah, I'm going to. Well, as the season goes, we, we wrap at the end of 24 shows. We come back for the second year. I said to Hazel, you got your union card? Hmm. Hazel said, no, I haven't taken the test yet. I said, I asked Hazel about nine times. Each time I got closer to her, and each time she wouldn't laugh. I said, Hazel, you have to tell me what you're doing. And she said, if I take this test, I'm going to lose all my friends. I said, these white people? She said, they're my friends. I said, so you're, you're never going to take this test. She said, no, Mr. Cosby. The next day I had Eddie. Eddie is a woman. Eddie is black. Eddie took the test the second day. Passed it. And didn't lose a friend. So what, what was going on and what was happening in those days, in those, those times, you could, but you can't. You know, the contradictions, and that's uh, what I call it, a, a time of contradictions. We had white fellows that worked on the set. Just, hey, I mean, wonderful people. But nobody's bothering us when we put the black person behind them. It was like, well, one day it's going to happen, so when it happens, it happens. I mean, we're not going to jump out there and say, let's, ha let's make it happen. But, I mean, there was no resistance. Was there resistance um, at the network well, I level? I want to ask this question of Bill. <clears throat> When the Julia script came in, Hal Canner, a very good writer, wrote it. And he didn't tell us that he wanted to cast a black woman in the role. When you read the script, you got about halfway through it, and then you realized, because of what was in the script, that it was written for a black woman to play it. And we got Diane Carroll, a beautiful woman, put her in the show, and the show was a hit. She was the first black woman to star in a half hour, in a, in a, where she had a major role. And 
some of the press, and this was true with Bill's shows, would say it's not black enough. It doesn't reflect the black situation as though it had some duty to do that and as though there were no middle-class blacks. And what was your reaction, Bill, when you read those comments? Now, the show was Uh a hit, and a lot of people liked it, uh, but some people just couldn't adjust to the fact. Well, it's irresponsible to think. See, I, I want the same thing you're having, Herb. You understand? Well, I if, we, if we come in to yeah. eat, if you sit down and you order a hamburger, I want a hamburger. I, I, I don't want an angry hamburger. <laughs> you know, I don't want a burger. I just sit up and act angry. I want a nice hamburger. Medium rare. Yeah. If I get on the bus to sit down, I don't want to sit in the angry seat. I want to sit in any seat I want to sit in. And... I mean, some you cannot take the masses without having them vote. And then they split. They split on something, 73 to whatever, whatever. So when I heard people talking about, you know, where did she get that wig? I said, from the studio, idiot. Yeah. Well, how can a nurse afford to have... The reality of what? The rea- How does Lucy get in a factory to do chocolate and do, you know, and nobody's, well, where is the factory that's around her house to get the job? Where, where does Fred Merch work? How come he's, uh, he's got the same apartment and, and how come the Cuban doesn't speak? Cuban and, and his relatives come in and live with him for three or four weeks. You know, just, you know this, uh, this passage for white people is driving me crazy. So, and then there was the thing about Corey. Well, what are the Coreyans? Uh, craziness. Craziness. Sit back, enjoy. Diane Carroll, one of the finest singers, performers, entertainers in the world, coming into your living room. And you're going to be concerned about her wig? <laughs> you're going to be concerned about... Because Corey didn't go with Huey Newton and, and, and stand it to win it by any means necessary. <laughs> so it was all a bunch of whatever. The series before that, East Side, West Side, George C. Scott, right. Cecily Tyson, yeah. went on the air, off the air, yeah. in a heartbeat. Because Cecily was playing something and they were social workers and had that look and people said, Zoink, don't want to see it. So, so somewhere there's a wonderful series that will have all the grit and have all of the pain and a lot of people don't want to see it. Well, you got a lot of that into the, into the Bill Cosby show. We're going to look at um, two brief clips from that. Uh, first of all, it, it has a great opening. The music in the opening um, credit sequence, opening title sequence for the Bill Cosby show. And then... Uh, the, is this 
The Huxtables now? No, no, we're still, we're, oh, you're getting ahead now. I'm sorry. No, we're still, we're still with the Bill Cosby show. You know, every show was the Cosby show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that is, <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> why not? So, uh, and then there's, there's a great episode with uh, Rex Ingram. Ah, yes. Okay, so. They'll, they'll know when they see him. Okay, so let's see it then. Oh, this curtain is going to take 12 years. <laughs> it's a good curtain, though. Yes, it's a good curtain, but dramatically speaking, <laughs> think of yourself in a funeral parlor. <laughs> oh, only get some uh, maggots and some rolls and, and reason <laughs> Every day. Long as I'm away. By the way, that's a white woman on bass. I'm serious. Carol Kay. That's Carol. Something to sell. We'll just give out the toys. 
I can remember there was a time I could sell anything. Didn't make any difference what it was. But in reality, it was could you sell yourself. That was the secret. Of course, uh, you'd be doing me a big favor if you'd uh, play Santa Claus. Because uh, if you don't, then I have to. And I, <laughs> and I just can't see myself as a skinny Santa Claus. What is this? You feel sorry for an old man? You got a guilty conscience because it's Christmas? No. But I don't want your handouts. And I don't need your charity. And I don't want your fake jobs. Now, why don't you go on and leave me alone? Well, wait a minute, George. Now, listen. Okay, so you don't want to be Santa Claus. Then just come on over to the party. I mean, nobody wants to be alone on Christmas. That's Jimmy Smith on the organ. Mm. Now, what I want all of you to understand is that Rex Ingram, you all now know, Rex, uh, at the, we, we shot the show in two and a half days, single camera. And Rex, after the second day, then we're going to go to the half day, he said to me, I just want to thank you because this is the first time in my acting career on film that I've had a chance to play a real live man without him having to be something low case with some white writing that says the Lord and always y'all cheerings. He was he didn't cry, but he just looked at me and he said, I want to thank you. And uh, he shook my hand. I had no idea um, of the, what this really meant. I know what it did. For the shows, the Cosby show, for the second year, you're going to show something else from it? Not from this show. We're going to show something from the Cosby show. Okay. From the 80s. But. Okay. Um, but I do know that in the second year, we only went two years, I went to Ed Weinberger, the writer, who, by the way, is the same class as mine at Central High School in Philadelphia. He'd written for Dick Gregory. He was the head writer. And I said to... to uh, him, I I want writers who were blacklisted during the time in the 50s, and we're going to have them send scripts in, and they can use their real name, or they can use another name. And so we, we did, uh, of the 24, we did about eight of the uh, the blacklisted writers. So we were we were pretty good. We were we were you cooking also had, behind uh, Asian the... characters and, and Latino characters on the show. Yeah, we put we put people in. Well, a great deal of it is because my experience with California is different from Pennsylvania. 
Um, I stayed at a friend's house in California, and the mailman came up and gave me the mail. I just felt odd. And he went away. He had short pants, and uh, he went away. And it wasn't until maybe the next day I said, wait, the guy looks Chinese. I've never seen a Chinese mailman in Philadelphia. You, you know, it's just all the, 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 the mixture of, of the people in, in, in Los Angeles. And it, and it was wonderful. And then to hire the people, to bring them in, to, to do this Chet Kincaid show, to, to, to have a father, for a man played my father, and to have a guy like Lee Weaver play uh, my brother so that I could do something from one of my routines and have two grown men. He came over because he was having a problem with his wife, I think. Yeah. And he, he, I said, okay, you can sleep with me. And so, so we did to wrestle my brother, whom I slept with, with only with two grown men. <laughs> and I put my leg on him, and he said, "Hey, man, what are you doing with your leg?" On you know, <laughs> it was it was very very funny. We also did the TV thing, where you know you have the the um, the, the rabbit ears, mm -hmm. and I said the thing is off. Hold it, and Weaver held it and moved around. I said, "Hold it right there," and he was like this, <laughs> and he got mad at me. And then, the, of course, in that show, there's the date with the beautiful girl. And we had, to me, the classic. Weinberger didn't have to write a thing. All he had to do was copy it down. Was when he had Mantan Moreland and Mom's Mabel. Right. And when those two got together, it was the end of it for me because I could not get through scenes with those two. I, I had to leave because I laughed so hard. They were a couple who they played a couple who fought all the time, and you were trying to get them to start yeah, fighting. Yeah, but the lines <laughs> that they had, they were throwing at each other. Mom said, "You snore so loud, you'll make my teeth rattle." <laughs> and Mantay Morris said, "Well, if you would move the glass there in further away." <laughs> I mean, it was just. Yeah. I mean, I had, to, I had to leave. I had to cut me out of these scenes. They were wonderful. And, and, and Pa, Grandpa Walton, he played the part of some old grumpy grump man. And then Elsa Lanchester, she played the little flighty lady who was trying to save trees. And it was wonderful. They had a wonderful time doing that, man. Rex Ingram, uh, just as a touching note, he, he died a few months after that episode. He died that year, so it's really touching that he got that role. Well, he said to me, yeah. you know, some people are weird, like my mother. <laughs> you know, you do something and all of a sudden it, it happens in your life and you hear somebody say, well, I can just go on away from here now. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, after, the Cos after the Bill Cosby show, there were some other shows named, Co named Cosby. Cosby. Cos, the, the kids show, you developed a show, primetime show for Target for Children. Um, you did the, the new Bill Cosby show. Could you talk maybe about some of the things you were trying to do during these years? Um, you did movies, some movies? I'd rather not talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
get to the Hickey story. and Boggs is a great movie, by the way. Hickey Robert. and Boggs is the movie. Yeah. It is the movie with Rosalind Cash. And she was magnificent. And I love that character that I played. And do you know who my mother-in-law was? The woman who cursed me out? Yeah. You remember? I don't remember who it was. You know, uh, you, what is it, Weedy, Tweedy, from the Jeffersons? She played my mother-in-law, and I asked for her because I knew she was funny. Th- listen, let me tell you how far back this TV goes. In the relationship with black people, mm, 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 had never been heard. You, there's no movie. You may get Mantan Moreland or something, yeah. but just say, mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. that. Just that little special thing. Yeah. And then to get a chance to put white Southerners without all of this mess of... Yeah. <laughs> See, to, to take us and put us on TV... And every time we're on with some white people, we happen to be the problem. We haven't done anything except walk across the room. (laughs) But there's trouble. And it's not much fun as a human being to be handed a script and always be the trouble. When do I die? (laughs) When do they uh, throw something through the window and say, come out of here, blank-de-blank. Right. You see? And so I had the opportunity with I Spy. I said to Mort Fine, David Freakin, during I Spy, I said, I would rather you not really do or say anything about my color. He said, well, why? I said, because I know you're not going to let me retaliate. So, fair enough. And that's the way we went through it. That's the way we went through it with Chet Kincaid. I don't care what you are in your race. I don't care what you are in your gender. You're not going to be a problem unless you happen to really behave in a problematic way. Now, what I, so, what I want to ask about the... the the show that was called The Cosby Show, the one that was uh, taped right across the street, the, uh, one of the innovations there was that the, the Dr. Huxtable was an upper, you know, upper class or up, uh, That's successful. What you, when you graduate so, from medical school yeah. and become a doctor, you're going to be upper. Right. Re- now, what irregardless. I, <laughs> <laughs> so could you talk about the development of that show? What, I, what I'd read was that you were originally thinking of playing a character like a limousine driver and that, that was it true that... Your wife convinced you to play? My wife. (laughs) Dr. (laughs) You know, she sits back there, and she doesn't say anything, and she looks like she's not listening, you know? And then, and next thing I know, she goes over, and she's talking with another woman. It's sort of like Genesis, only this... Only there's two women. <laughs> so she's talking to Marcy, and then Marcy says, come back. 
Then they went over and they talked to Tom, and then they come back. And she said, you know, this is not a good idea for you to be a chauffeur. Now, I saw nothing wrong with it. I wanted to be a chauffeur so I could be home and be the single parent while my wife was off. See, very few people say what my wife's occupation was. And she was a plumber. See, she, my wife was a plumber, and I, ha, I have my own car, and I'm, I'm okay. an, a businessman. Oh, no. Okay. So I said, okay, a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor, OBGYN. Because when I was in the Navy, I worked in the nursery while I was going to physical therapy school. So I know how to handle the babies, and I've seen quite a few births, and I can handle that. And, and the personality, and since Camille and I have five children, I've also dealt with what, you know, these babies look like. <laughs> and um, then Claire said, okay, she, uh, can't, uh, I don't know any doctors married to plumbers. <laughs> I mean, even if you reverse it. Right. Uh, so I said, okay, she's a lawyer. Well, Felicia Rashad can play anything, except one thing. She ruined, she ruined the next whatever years of that series when she got married. And, uh, you know, she had sex. <laughs> yes. Yes. Unprotected. <laughs> Didn't care about the series. <laughs> and the next thing you know, she's a. Uh, now we've got to do things. To we put bags and all kinds of things. So what I lost was Cliff doing. W when you watch the series, it's to the time when she's showing. That's when Cliff has to back off of doing things. Like when I was, what I would rub her feet. I don't know what yeah. season it was, but I will never forgive either one of them. <laughs> and, 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 and I just lost it because I knew I was doing things that you don't see on TV with my wife. Yeah. The, the hugging of her, the rubbing of her shoulders, the... The, 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 with the feet and, and sneaking into the bed and yee-haw, you know. Well, but now she's like this. As a matter of fact, they put a hole in the mattress so that she could sink down. And, and this would now be laid out like that. It was hard to do that, man. But what a glory. Eight years with... Felicia, never an argument. She always knew everybody's lines by the end of the first reading. She was, and she is, just a magnificent person. But the whole team was great on that show. I, I, went to, I remember going to a taping across the street, and you had such a great writing staff, and the whole cast was incredible. Carmen Fernestra. Yeah, but the, you did, you taped a whole episode, and it took about 40 minutes at once I saw you tape a show. You didn't, barely had to stop. Yeah, but the cameras were, had to move around and <laughs> do stuff. But I remember clearly that defining 
moment when I found out I didn't know as much about comedy and people, and it was the first show. That first show where uh, Malcolm walks in, uh, my wife has just sent me up there to kill him. Oh, we're going to, we have that scene. Oh, you have that? Yeah. You want to see it first? Okay. Okay, we're going to, sorry, we're going to listen to the, you're going to, we're going to do the curtain one more time. (laughs) And we'll see, this is from the, uh, the very first episode of the I love show business. <laughs> it's my life. Right. Here we go. This is from the very first episode of the Cosby Show. People laughing.
boyfriend to have a girlfriend? For sure. Thank you, the people. Okay, just let me let me do this first. Yeah, okay. That scene really happened between the two of us. Ennis, I had to go to work, and Ennis's mother said to me, "This boy is talking about being regular people." And at at the time, we didn't know that Ennis was dyslexic. Hmm. And dyslexic people have problems like that. You know, they begin to sort of bottom out. And uh, so so, so I, I went up to his room. I said, come down. I have to leave at 6.30 in the morning. And it's 10.30 at night. I went all the way until it was time to leave in the same clothes to go to the airport. And we went over this thing, but I didn't use Monopoly money. That was Ed Weinberger's uh, inventiveness. And I wrote stuff down. He went back and forth, bicycle. Every line mm. belongs to Ennis and to me. Um, when we got to the part, and I'm sure you've all seen it, that he gets up and he says, Dad, you and Mom... You and mom, you're a doctor, mom's a lawyer, and you love what you do. And I just, I just, and I love you for who you are and what you are, but I just want you to love me for who I am. Now, I wrote that. I wrote it without any, if someone had said, do you think the audience will applaud for him? And I said, no way. People started clapping, clapping for him. And I'm sitting there as his father, and, and in my brain I'm going, you know, you're in trouble, man. These people are clapping for this boy. What are you going to do? And I had to make a decision right then and there. And I stayed with it for the parenting issue. That is the dumbest thing. And then the people started clapping again. Yeah. Make up your mind. <laughs> you know, so, so this whole idea, the, the duplicity, the, uh, the, the, the contradictions of parenting. Do you want your child to be your friend? Do you know how to raise a friend? Why would you want a friend who can't clean up his room? Yeah. And we had a psychiatrist, Alvin F. Poussant, who guided us through these scripts yeah. and helped us immensely. We had, we had our parents, not as old people who can't think, who are dumb, who can't move, who mess up. The, you didn't take your medication, pa, please. Oh, God, here they come. No. Lively. I told you on, on the phone, the scene that I loved was when Cliff and, and Claire are sitting and, and Cliff's mother and father said, well, 
I guess we better be going now. And Cliff said, uh, well, it's uh, so forth and so on. It's early. Where are you going? He said, we're going home. And Cliff looked at his mother and father and said, hey, what are you going to do? And they didn't say a word. They mm. just turned and looked at him like, <laughs> and went out the door. <laughs> Go ahead. Mike, just, yep, just use the microphone. If I you wanted can. to make a point about that show because it showed an African-American family and it showed it in the best possible light, but it emphasized the importance of family no matter what the color of the people were. And two points. The first one is commercial. It was tremendous for NBC. It anchored the famous Thursday night which went on year after year after year and really made the network. Uh, it was very important to the network. It was on for eight years, five years, number one. But to tell you what the impact was in terms of the audience, the show got about 50 million people every time it was on. The biggest show on television today in a very different environment, American Idol, gets about 21 million. So there were billions of people billions of impressions, year after year after year, sending a message that television doesn't do enough. And your show, which you created, which you husbanded, which you had such a big impact on, was more than a television show. And in the world we live in today, I mean, I don't want to stretch, but I think a family, it's probably the best one we can see on television today, happens to live in a White House in Washington. Mm -hmm. And I think you did a great deal to teach, to show the American people that, uh, one, that African Americans are like everybody else, and beyond that, the thing that's important in this country is family life and education, which are things that you believe so deeply in. Herb. It's a good speech. <laughs> I believe it. But, but Herb, if we don't have more Herb Schlossers who sit in a position to say yay and nay and how, then it doesn't, it doesn't happen. I get in a taxi cab. <clears throat> and the fellow with the turban and he's dry accent. Look at you, Bill Cosby. I'm not going to attempt to do the accent. Yes, I love that show. My daughters love it. My wife loves it. And you know why they love it? I said, please watch the road. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says, it's about family. Yep. It's about family. People who have their family and it's together, those people see that show and they enjoy it because Cliff and Claire not only have their careers, but their, their parenting. And Claire looks at uh, Theo, who is played magnificently over those eight years by Malcolm Jamal Warner. Mm -hmm. And 
He is so tickled with himself, he doesn't even realize how wrong he is. And he's not studying, and his mother is right on the case. And then I see the president of the United States talk about his mother. And I'm laughing because she said, uh, he said his mother, he was uh, whatever old, and he did do his homework right, and his mother brought it over and says, so forth and so on, and he's pouting and trying to show her how much he doesn't like it. And she says, look, this is not much fun for me either. <laughs> look, that show is not going to elect presidents of the United States. But people like a Herb Schlosser, people who see, you may not understand every black person you see, you may be living at the expense of whatever black person shows up, as I would whatever white person or any Asian. Whatever we are, we are these human beings, but we must have the correct thinking. Racism is a waste of time. And I would like some applause for saying that. <laughs> It's, uh, the, the, the fact that this Tartikoff fellow put this on, TV was moving into a time when they were, depending on if you're, you're, you're high jumping or doing the limbo, they were lowering the bar or raising it. To make it easier for you to go under the bar, they raise it. And they were using language and vulgarity and all kinds of things to entice younger people to come in and watch, which is what they have, what you see today. Brandon Tartikoff put logs and jammed it when he put us on. He already had family ties, but family ties wasn't really doing it. Mm -hmm. But when we came, we came with a four-year-old black child and it froze people she froze people man yeah. because they, they never said well what is this and and some people just kept waiting for something but th then they began to fall in love because we were doing family things right brandon tartikoff left us a legacy he died of leukemia i believe yeah but I remember this man, and he was, the show was over, and, 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 and we talked to each other, not in terms of, hey, buddy, 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 but just in terms of, and, and I said, look, you have, you have this leukemia, and my lawyer is, is, has cancer also. I want you to talk to him, see if the two of you can share. And Brandon said, yeah, okay, because he's on the phone. And I opened my phone book, and I'm looking at my phone book, and all of a sudden, something's registering up here. And it says, um, I said, oh, man, I got him on the phone. I said, oh, man. He said, what's the matter? I said, I got, I got dead people in my phone book. <laughs> I still have their names in here. And Brandon said, don't take my name out of that book. <laughs> Never will I forget that. But he's the guy who jammed and slowed down the 
approach of all this foolishness that we see today on TV. The great thing about the Cosby show is there was no gimmicks to it. You were, uh, it was just life. I mean, what you were saying before, we, we were talking about it before, you said if your writers came up to you and gave you an idea that sounded like another sitcom, you would say forget it. So, One of the biggest arguments we had, and it wasn't Carmen Finestra, it was, I won't name the person. I said, I want uh, Theo's school teacher to come to the house and tell us about Theo. And one of the writers said, well, how does she get to the house? I said, by car. <laughs> he said, no, you, you can't have a school teacher just come to your house and knock on. I said, sure you can. He said, well, how? I said, because it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Sonia Braga played his teacher and came to the house and did the same thing that my school teacher did to me. And I got into trouble. You know, this whole thing about, well, you can't do that because, sure you can. If you can do foolish things, you can do good things. You know, and then I had Joe Black and Frank Robinson on. And I had, I had Stevie Wonder come by, the, that went by his studio. I had uh, uh, Bowser, the Cuban orchestra. He'd come by. Well, you can't do that. Sure you can. It's my show. <laughs> so we had a ball. I had uh, jazz musicians, Art Blakey and, and Tito Puente and people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jay Sanders knows nothing about jazz, and he called Art Blakey uh, Mr. Art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was just what uh, Nancy Wilson yeah. was uh, the mother of my son-in-law. Hmm. And boy, oh boy, what a great character that was. He came in, and he's acting like women, because <laughs> Nancy is spoiling him. Hmm. And it was one of the greatest things for Cliff, because Cliff's listening to this boy talk about something. He has no idea what he is getting into as a man versus woman, and husband versus wife. And he's trying to help him. And it was so wonderful when we had the anniversary party and, and Cliff wanted, found this guy who could make Kalaloo soup. Yeah. And, and, and this man didn't know how to make it. And so my son-in-law just went over and I said, look, I got to go up and get dressed for the, the dinner. Anything, he, this guy was putting marshmallows in the Kalaloo soup. <laughs> you know, crazy stuff. And I mean, just... What he did, it was absolutely fantastic. Then we had the twins that we named after the South African president. Oh, Winnie, Winnie, Winnie and Nelson. And Nelson. And Nelson yeah. yeah. And then we had a little sign that said, Abolish Apartheid. Yeah. Man, that got a lot of headlines. It was, a, oh, it was yeah, on the son's the, room. And I, I read that the network asked you to take that sign down. Yeah, they were a little crazy. But that was my show. <laughs> they, were afraid, to, they were afraid it, they would it, offend the pro-apartheid audience? <laughs> now, now, hey, wait a minute. It's not a done deal. <laughs> right. It's not a done deal, man. I mean, it's just people <laughs> worried about this. Yeah. And then I said, it stays. Hmm. I didn't say, if it comes down, I walk. 
I said, it stays. That's all. And it stayed up. Camera shot around it. <laughs> well, I, I promise you two things. First of all, I, I want to... Um, what time is it? First well, I know. That's what, that's what I was going to say. It is time... What time 8:30. is it? 8.30. What? Right. So, um... Is it 8.30 it for is. real? So, the I'm reason I... Here. Um, he, he is, I just want to say, he is doing an interview in Philadelphia, and not a call-in interview. It's a live interview tonight at 11 o'clock. Yes. So, um... And I did want to mention, I wanted to plug your website, BillCosby.com, since you're on the internet. Um, we can do that later. Well, that was We can go to door do to door. Okay. So go to BillCosby.com, and um, thank you so much for being here. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.